How are we doing this morning? Merry Christmas. How many, how many know it's that time of the year? <laughs> Some, somebody's saying, oh, me. <laughs> um, I know we probably, if we could peel the layer back and just hear all the, I love hearing Christmas stories. But um, I, I tell you what, I really, um, I know it can be challenging for some people sometimes of the year, but I know we were really blessed growing up. I had some really good memories of Christmas with my mom and dad and my grandparents. But, um, you know, of course, having a father and five kids, Christmas is definitely a buzz <laughs> around our house. And that is unbelievable. But, um, you know, there's a few things that I really do love about Christmas. Now, just real quick, I just want to kind of share this to, to give you a little insight into Amber and I. Um, I don't know about anybody else in the house, especially the men or the married men, but uh, I am a procrastinator when it comes to Christmas shopping. I like to wait to the very last minute before I actually do shopping. And then, you know, you get all the crowds, you get all the people into the stores. It is definitely an experience. But you want to know the real reason why I have to procrastinate? Because Amber, sometimes she will peer in. She will look to see what I got her. She will look and find out what I got her. So I got I to gotta wait to the last minute before, before I get gifts in the house. Come on. <laughs> but she's, it, is, it is awesome. But uh, I don't know. It's just an awesome, awesome time around our house. And so I just want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and just encourage you this Christmas season. And uh, enjoy people that you're around. Enjoy the family and the fellowship and the time that you have together. Amen? Amen. Amen. Awesome. Um, hey, I want to share a, a word um, this morning that, that come out of the conference. How many, how many were here last weekend for the conference? Wasn't that awesome? Come on. That was, uh, that was incredible. That was an incredible time, and uh, I am still processing. Um, so I, uh, I'm also still trying to get back <laughs> my energy and strength. But um, what I felt to really dive into, sometimes we get in these moments where they're so divine, they're so catalytic, God is moving in so many areas and arenas that I think we could just move on to the next thing without even really letting it sink in a little bit. So if this is okay with you, I felt we're going to have a debrief this morning. Can we have a debrief? I, I want to debrief with us some of the things. So some of you who weren't here, it's okay. You're going to get the Reader's Digest version. But um, I want to just kind of felt like uh, four, four themes. And I know that you were here that were impacted. I mean, we could really hear all the things and, and details, what God was speaking to you personally, what he was doing. But um, I'm just going to pull full, four big themes that I felt like the Holy Spirit really highlighted through this gathering this weekend that speaks to us now. Um, so I want to just jump right in. Pray with me. Jesus, we just, we just thank you right now. Father, we just yield to you. I yield to you, Holy Spirit, right now. And we just thank you that you're in this place right now, that your presence is here. Mm. We just thank you for wisdom and understanding. Paul said in Ephesians 1.17, I pray that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation. That you may know him better, the Father better, in the hope of your high calling in Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, I call specifically on the spirit of wisdom and revelation to flood this place. Lord, that you would fill all of our hearts with the spirit of peace and the spirit of wisdom, God. I, I just pray that you would just uh, take me completely out of the way and that you would just speak your word, Father, that you would encourage us all this morning and that we would really begin to see beyond the veil, 
that we would begin to see really what you're doing and saying in this hour and this season, not just in us personally, even our city, but the nation. Lord, what you're doing in our nation right now is very important. And so, Lord, we just thank you for that. And we bless your holy name. And it's in, in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Awesome. So I just want to jump right in. Uh, four themes that, um, that, that the Lord really, I think, breathed through this gathering, this conference. Um, the first one is unity through diversity. All right. Unity through diversity. I think it was very clear when you heard Matt and Will's story, right, Matt being a white guy, Will being an African-American guy, and that in their storyline together, it just happens to be that his family owns this guy's family on a slave plantation in Louisiana after they were already friends for so many years. I mean, what, what about that? That's the providence of God. But one of the things, several things, but one of the things that jumped out is you could hear their friendship, their dynamic coming out. And they said it themselves. They had to overcome a lot of those uh, barriers. One of the things I remember Will Ford saying was after the euphoria wore off, like, wow, this is God. This is so incredible. This is happening. He put us together. And then he goes, Dad, well, wait a minute. You family own my family. You remember that? And he said, what about Uncle Willie who was beaten to death? That was your family. How do we reconcile that? And they had to work through that. And, um, and what I, I felt like they were bringing to us to this city was that they were showing us a model and a blueprint of what true unity is going to look like in the days ahead. And what does that look like? It's unity through diversity. Unity is not through conformity or even uniformity. There is a difference. But unity through diversity. If, if you remember our history, I love history. Um, so in some of the history accounts, like in the colonial times when America was first being discovered, some of the early missionaries were coming over. They were mission, missionizing the Indians, the Native Americans. And some of the mistakes I think that they made was they, they my language, they tried to Christianize them. And they tried to make them European. So they were bringing the gospel to them, but they wanted them to look like and dress like and be like and fit like this mold that they grew up with in Europe. Are you tracking with me? And there's that, there's that, there, that urge to, I'm going to make you uniform. I'm going to make you conform to what I look like. But I don't think that's the kingdom perspective of unity. That's not unity and diversity. So, so what does this right look like? Unity through diversity. Um, Psalm 133, if you have your Bibles, open that up. As a matter of fact, if we could put it on the screen, that'd be great. Um, Psalm 33, verse 1. Oh, excuse me, Psalm 133, verse 1. Thank you. It's a, uh, it's a powerful, powerful message in Psalm 133. And um, many of us know it. Of course, it was trumpeted here this weekend. But verse 1 says this, How good and pleasant it is when brothers... Live together, or another version says, dwell together in unity. I want to read that again. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. Just, just let that sink in a little bit. I did a study on this one time. I found it fascinating revelation. The word dwell in Hebrew is actually the word yasib. I think I'm saying that right. Yasib. Y-A-S-A-B, I believe. And the context of yasib, the, the actual definition, literally means to marry or marriage. A marriage. 
And so when you read that with that context, behold how good it is and pleasant for brothers almost to be married together, right? To be married as one in unity. Man, it is like the precious oil of God that is coming down Aaron's beard. And, and so that picture of uh, marriage, that, that, that marriage is unity in diversity. Um, one of the most greatest lessons that I learned in marriage was when after me and Amber and I first got married, um, I began to notice that we would definitely have a few tangos and a few rounds. I know no one else in here has ever argued in their marriage. <laughs> but we definitely had a few bouts. But what I discovered was that this, and it was like a revelation for me. I don't know about you guys. But I had this aha moment. And my ha- aha moment came probably in the first year or two of our marriage. And it was... It is not my job, (laughs) nor my responsibility, to change my spouse. Woo! When I got hold of that thing, (laughs) you're talking about walking in freedom. Because why? Because, right, we carry expectations of what our spouses or even relationships, what they're going to be like. We carry that expectation. And we may not even be like going after that, but we have that expectation. And when they don't meet that expectation, it creates disappointment, hurt, wounds, and it just leads to cycles of arguing and stuff like that that could happen. And so God was really intentional, I think, with me because he was trying to do a work in me because I was really messing this up. And I realized that, wait a minute, I'm for, I was Christianizing Amber. I was forcing Amber to fit in this mold, and my wife, she won't have in that. And she was just being her. She was just being her. And then I realized, God showed me, wait a minute, Mike, you're not called to change her. I am. Come on. He said, it's your job to love her, to connect with her, to serve her, and to walk with her. But it's my job to do that, right? The Bible says that it's the kindness of God, not Mike Thornton, that leads men to repentance. Come on. It's the kindness of the Father that literally gives us the power to change our thinking in our minds. And so oftentimes we get pressured because we want to change other people's minds so they can fit and look just like us. Come on. But, 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 but that is a trap of the enemy, right? We can't, we can't force people to look like us. Now, some of us, not all of us, may have a trouble with control a little bit more than others. And if you have a trouble with controlling, that, this is a hard thing because it's so easy to try to control to somebody to fit into that mold. But I'm telling you, what does it look like? Unity looks like letting that go and say, instead of trying to change your differences... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to celebrate them. I'm going to celebrate your differences. And it's okay that you're not like me. But we can connect on a whole nother level. And so I know for me and Amber, that's what I realized. I realized that she's not like me in a lot of ways. And that's okay. That's how God designed it to be. Because now we offset each other. One more example. And um, I, I hate to be late. The, one of the things is I always hate to be late. Like I always like to be on time. Amber, she has a little different perspective of being on time and going, and that would be round and round in our relationship. But it was like this for me. It was unhealthy for me because if I was late, then it would like throw me off, put me in the funk. It would take me like 30 minutes to recover. I don't know if anybody knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> and then she's just like, oh, you know, just right on time, you know, just like it's all good. And, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, and it's taking me all this time to like get back into the spirit. But you know what was so positive about that is that, listen, Amber 
is different, but it offsets it in a healthy way. And so a lot of times, by me saying, you know what, I'm not going to change her, that's just how she's wired. But rather, I'm going to go with that flow. I'm going to just walk with that. And that part of her has helped me not to be in a rush. It's helped me to enjoy the moment more and take my time. Now, I know we got to be, you know, on time to certain things, but, but that's helped me. That's grown me. That's challenged me. But the point is, do you see the point? Unity in diversity, not conformity. And I feel that was a major theme being trumpeted, and this is what it's going to look like. Now, let's apply that to the church, to the kingdom, right? That what does it look like for you and I to celebrate one another? Now, we may have differences, right? We've seen that. We've seen that right here. Um, the Saturday session, if you guys were here for the Saturday session, we did a panel. We did a panel for the leaders. I thought it was phenomenal. But we had different backgrounds, right? We had Pastor Tom, we had Abner, we had Pastor Campbell, we had Michelle Winstead from DSS, we had Pastor Ethan Welsh from the Bridge Church, which is a more of a Baptist evangelical church, not in our stream. So you had all these different expressions and different perspectives. And so when we hit on some sensitive topics like racial profiling and, and all these other things, we were able to hear other people's perspectives. Now, it's okay, we may not have agreed with some of the things that were said, but that's not the point. The point is being able to listen, right, to hear and to move beyond that, not to allow, okay, I may, I may disagree with you on this point, but you know what? I'm mature enough and I have love in my heart enough to, I'm not going to let that be a stumbling block to our relationship. Come on, right? We would need to press, press through that. And I, I just thought that was, that was wonderful. So these two things that I saw happen on the panel this unity and diversity, two things close to my heart, of course, is the racial barrier and the denominational barrier. So we saw the racial barrier just come unraveled with Will and Matt's story, and then up here on the panel. I think that's part of how we unravel the racial barrier, is we listen to the other perspective. That doesn't mean you have to agree with it, but I think it begins by listening to it, right? Go back to Will and Matt. Here's Will, right, who's, who's the product of the slave side, and Matt, who was the owner side. And Will was so vulnerable because, what a challenge, he issued to his own brothers and sisters from the African-American side that I had to forgive my white brothers and let go of the baggage so that I could be free. What a powerful revelation. What a powerful revelation. Matt, on the other hand, if you notice, what he had to do was say, okay, I have to have an awareness I have to have an awareness that you struggle with things that I don't struggle with. And I have to have an awareness of what it's like to walk in your shoes. And that's what they were, I think, communicating. And I think that was, was so beautiful and wonderful and encouraging for us that this is what it could look like in our church. So that, like, let's say right now if you go to dinner or lunch out here with a few people from the church and you get on a topic or a conversation and you hit that, mm, like it's a little awkward or I don't know if I really agree with that. It's okay. It's okay, because just like the panel, I'm sure not everybody would agree with everything that was said, but everybody knew each other's hearts, and we knew that we loved the Lord, we knew that we were here for one purpose, and that was see the kingdom of God lifted up in our city, and to see walls broken. And I, I, I don't have the whole picture, but I feel like that's what it looks like. Other cool last thing about that was uh, Ethan. Pastor Ethan Welsh is from the Bridge Church. If you guys remember, he's the guy that sat on the end. And I love this because he's a conservative. You know, he comes from an evangelical background. And when he came, he shared this on the panel. He goes, huh, I have never, 
been in a church where I saw a flag raised. This was the first time I'd ever seen that in my entire life. He said, I, I, I just, I've never seen that before. I've, I've never experienced that. You know, when he was here in the morning session, we went into a moment in the spirit where we were worshiping in tongues. And I was just like, Lord, keep him here, Lord. Just keep him here, Jesus. Keep him here. I told him this later. <laughs> keep him here, Lord. Keep him here. And I looked back, and he'd still be here. And I was like, yes. But Ethan was so vulnerable because at the end of the discussion, he shared that. And what I loved about that was we talked the racial one. Here's the denominational, the church one, the theology one. Here, is, here he's saying, listen, I may not agree or I may not even understand the way Global River does worship, but it's okay. Because I am here, because I recognize you've got a heart for the city. I recognize that we have a call together to see the kingdom of God break every wall and barrier. And he said, I'm going to be connected to that. Come on. Isn't that awesome? I told, yeah, he went, for you who weren't here, so when it was a, like a real holy moment. And then Ethan was like, uh, he's, when he shared that, I said, well, Ethan, come on, we're going to pray for you. So we set him down in the middle, and it got like real quiet. And I said, Pastor Tom, go get the rattlesnakes out of the back. <laughs> he was like, I was like, just joking, just joking, just joking. You know, you know what's wild about that? Um, it's just not normal in their culture for people to lay hands on them. So what an act of humility, obedience, and willingness for him to go with that. I feel God gives a blessing there when we do stuff like that out of our comfort zone. This isn't rocket science, but I feel like it's important that we, that we grasp this. Um, one other cool thing, and I'll get off on this one and move to the next one, is uh, how many, oh man, this, I don't know about you, this like moved my heart. Um, the last night when we did the communion, the foot washing, the water baptism, um, we had the communion done by Pastor Tim Blevins from Life Community and Pastor Clifford Barnett from Warner's Temple, Amy Zion Church. You guys remember that moment? Holy cow, I don't know about you, but I felt lightning rip through the building when they fed each other communion. I mean, could you not? I lived out of my seat. I was about to do like the Pentecostal run around the church. I mean, I, was, I, mean, I could feel it so strong. And something broke in that moment, y'all. I'm telling you, something really shifted in that moment when they literally fed one another communion. Now, here's a little backside backstory to that. Okay, what's really cool about that is Pastor Barnett and Pastor Tim, that was their first time meeting at the table. All unhearsed, spontaneous, they felt the spirit of the leading of the Lord, and the Lord led them to do that. that isn't that beautiful? Again, they may not agree with everybody, but it's unity and diversity. So I feel like this is like not just, wow, this was a good conference. No, this is a mark of the coming move of God. This is a mark that God is raising up men and women all over the earth right now that are going to move in extreme love and unity. Because what happens is we begin to pull things together. You know, I watched how things were mended together. You know, guys, listen, there's so many good revival movements out there right now. There's a prayer movement stream that's awesome. There's the Bethel stream that's awesome. There's the strategic intercession stream. There's the evangelical stream. There's the Baptist. There's so many good streams of Christianity out there. I believe we do not need another stream. 
We need men and women of maturity and faith to step in unity through diversity to begin to collect and gather and mend all those streams together to make one rushing river. Woo! My God. Woo! I feel like this is what the end time revival is going to look like. May they be one as we are one. Now, I'm going to go ahead and say this too. And I don't know, did y'all catch how it ended last Sunday? Did you catch it? Man, there was the Spirit of the Lord. Abner Suarez dropped a prophetic word for the house. And it was about our English and our Spanish coming together. Guys, listen. we got to continue to contend for that more and more. God is highlighting. This is the word of the Lord. He is saying really clearly, like, we have to be intentional about our Latino brothers and sisters, y'all. We have to be intentional. There's something intertwined with our destinies together that God wants to do. I don't have the full language, but I heard the word of the Lord very loud and clearly. And we do have a level of unity, but I feel it's a lot more that we've not even touched yet. There's going to look a lot different. And so I just really believe the Lord was releasing that. And then look what Will Ford said. He just capitalized on it. And was like, look, he had a student, had a dream at the Martin Luther King Memorial, and he shouted it from the platform. He said God spoke to him and said the Hispanic community will be highlighted in this movement of God. They are going to, God's going to use them mightily to bring the church together. Isn't that powerful? Oh, my Lord. I'm going to say, Amber, I think had a dream, was it last week or something, where the Lord was speaking to her in Spanish. The Lord was speaking to her in Spanish in the dream. My goodness. Whoo. I don't know. That just gets me all excited, my, my Lord. My Lord. There's something to that, y'all. There's something to that. Habla Espanol. I'm asking, Lord, for the supernatural download. Mm. <laughs> I went to the Spanish Christmas party this weekend. They had it there. Oh, man, it was unbelievable, man. Tacos and everything. I mean, it was just like, oh. I mean, it's just, it, was, it was so good. It's delicious. Okay. I think you guys got the point. Unity through diversity. It's coming. Let's keep working for it. Number two. All right. Here's another cool highlight that I thought was very interesting, and that is knowing your DNA. Knowing your DNA. Right, there's been a lot of talk, and a lot of us, have, have especially, have taught on and communicated the importance of knowing our identity in Christ Jesus, right? We know that it's Jesus who authors our identity, who speaks our identity, and that that's our source, right? And the, and the word confirms it. But it's also what I took from the conference it's equally as important to know your natural DNA. It's important, y'all. I mean, just look at that storyline of Will and Matt. It is their genealogy and their personal, natural DNA that has unlocked this whole storyline that they're carrying. Not only that, it's now unlocking healing for the nation, not just in the black and white issue, but also in Hispanic denominational issues, but it's all rooted back to their DNA, their natural genealogy. I encourage you, know your family tree, study your genealogy, even if it's hard Push through, push through. They spent years researching this. You heard them. It's, it, didn't, it wasn't overnight, but there is something, there's a treasure in it. I, I want to speak on that a moment. Tech, turn with me to Matthew 1 1. I want to show you something how important this is. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, uh, about Jesus. You know, genealogy is in the Bible. If you, Chronicles is littered 
with the genealogy of all the 12 tribes. Genesis lists the tables of nations. In the Gospels, Matthew and, Lark, Mark, Matthew and Luke rather list the genealogy of Jesus. The point, the whole book screams at us, you need to know your DNA. You need to know your genealogy. So here's a cool little secret that the Lord showed me about Jesus' genealogy. Go to Matthew 1, chapter 1, verse 1. Very simple, but very profound. It says this, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Highlight these two. Ready? Son of David and son of Abraham. The son of David and the son of Abraham. In other words, Matthew is making a statement in this gospel. He's opening it up. Anytime, here's a side note, anytime scripture introduces something, it carries heavy weight in terms of revelation. So he opens the New Testament, the very first chapter and the very first verse, showing us the importance that Jesus is connected to two patriarchs in our history. One is David and the other is Abraham. So what do they represent? Let me tell you what they represent. Two keys, two specific keys. David represents prophecy. Why? Because when David was alive in the Old Testament, God made it very clear and prophesied to him through the prophet Nathan, on your throne one day there will be the Messiah. The king of the lion of the tribe of Judah will roar, will sit on your throne, and it will be an eternal throne forever. The king of kings. It was prophesied. So what are you saying? It represents prophecy. It represents the prophetic fulfillment of the word of the Lord. David, son of Abraham. So what does Abraham represent? Represents the promise. In Genesis 12, he told Abraham, look, Abraham, I'm going to make a promise with you. I'm going to promise that I will bless all the nations of the earth through your family lineage. What's this saying in the genealogy? That I believe that our lives are marked here in our own personal genealogy with two keys. And those keys is a key for prophecy and a key to the promise. Many of you have prophecies hanging over the balance of your life because you had grandparents or great-grandparents or even people you never even know who prophesied and prayed for you to be here. That's why we got to think generationally. Our call is so big, it cannot be fulfilled just by us in our lifetime. So there is prophecy that's hanging over you, prophetic words, even that God has spoken to you personally. Knowing your genealogy helps you get access to those prophecies. It helps open those up. Jesus, the son of David, there's no question. He's the Messiah because it was prophesied that out of David's lineage, not Moses, not Aaron, not, out of David's lineage, a king would come and sit on the throne. So it was no question that Jesus was who prophecy said he was. Even further than that, you and I can fulfill prophecy by knowing our family genealogy. Woo! If, that, if I could sing, I'd make that into a song. <laughs> by knowing your genealogy, you can fulfill prophecy. Not only that, the promise. The Bible gives us, I don't know how many promises, 
Hundreds of promises of a bless our life, of the favor of God. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He'll walk with us. He'll bless our children. He'll bless our, our lives, our direction. I mean, we have those promises. They are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And part of knowing your DNA, come on, your storyline, will give you access to the promise. So it's no longer a word in your journal, but it becomes a reality of what you're living out. So many people have words hung up in their journal, but they never walk it out and they never see the fulfillment because my people perish for a lack of knowledge. And they don't think it's necessary to study that. But I feel what Will and Matt were showing us was that it is very necessary not only to know our family DNA, but to steward it well. Because listen to me, you are not a mistake and the bloodline you came from was not by accident or by chance. Before you were formed in the womb, God knew who you were, and he chose the bloodline you were going to come out of. The challenge is the pain and hurt in our family tree. Because many of us have wounds and hurts and pains and abuse, generational curses just filled in our trees. And we don't want to go and talk to Uncle Willie. Or we don't want to go and talk to our, the dad or the grandfather because it's too hard. It's too painful. I encourage you, if you can push past the pain and the trauma of one generation, there may be a blessing hiding in a previous generation that God wants to give you access to today. I was true, this is true stuff, man. My, my, I got a great grandmother. Her name was Murdy. Faircloth. She lived in Dunn, North Carolina in the early 1900s. True story. Murdy Faircloth went to the Azusa East Revival in Dunn, led by another relative of ours, Cashwell. She was a Pentecostal praying woman. Holiness. I mean, and there was a story in our family, just like they shared the kettle pot story. There was a story in our family that was, my dad was there. He was alive. When my dad was a little boy, when he was a little boy, Great-grandma Murdy would take him in the kitchen and prophesy over my dad in the spirit. And my dad, and I, he has an uncle. He's my great-uncle who's still alive. He was 90. He remembered the pet. This was this guy. He remembered the prophecy. He remembered the prayers and reminded my dad. This was Murdy's prayer. This was her prayer. That one day out of your lineage, Richard, would come men of God who would preach the gospel, release revival into their generation. You know what the best part about that is? She did that while she cooked homemade buttermilk southern biscuits. I don't know what heaven's going to be like, but I think it could be like prophecy in warm buttermilk biscuits. Huh? Now look at this. Now, here I am in crack cocaine addiction, not even with God. I get wrecked by the Lord, and I go to a rehab center. He changes my life. I get to this moment where I let whatever you want me to do, God, wherever you want me to go. I believe in that moment of, of where I was in my life, he could have sent me anywhere in the world. He could have sent me to any college, work, job, whatever he wanted to do. But I made myself available wherever you want me to go. And he said, I want you to go to Dunn, North Carolina, to a rinky-dink Bible college. And I go to Heritage Bible College, and what happens? I meet my wife. I meet Amber. We have a family as a byproduct of all of that. But what strikes out to me 
is that it's in the same place where great-grandma labored in intercession 80 years before I arrived there. It gives you access, y'all. Do you see that? Knowing your genealogy gives you access to the promise and the prophecies that have been fulfilled over your life. Come on. Number, number three. This kind of leads us right into the synergy of the ages. Did y'all hear that statement that Will was making? Oh, I want to hit on this. The synergy of the ages. What is that all about? The kettle pot. It's just the pot, right? But what he said it represented was that the prayers of his ancestry slaves, that one day freedom would come to America. And he said, this is the synergy of the ages. And he made this statement, y'all. I don't know if you caught it in the conference. He said that we could actually come into agreement with the intercession of our ancestors from years ago. I know that sounds wild. But he made it clear, right? He said, this ain't talking to dead people. This isn't like you're communicating with the dead because prayer and the nature of prayer is eternal. My God. And it says that there are bowls of intercession in prayer, Revelation 5, 9, that are before the throne of God continually. Continually. So there's a picture of that our prayers that our great-grandmas or our great-granddads or whoever prayed and prophesied that just because they're dead and gone doesn't room where prayer is. So their prayers are still hanging in the throne room of heaven, I believe, searching and waiting on the individual who will say, I am called to live out that intercession and to take up their prayers. One last scripture here. Go with me real quick to Hebrews 7, 24. This is a beautiful, beautiful picture of this. Hebrews 7, 24. When Jesus ascends, right, and he goes into the heavenly places after the resurrection and the glorification we got hebrews chapter 7 verse 24 listen to this this is fascinating but because jesus lives forever that's good news but because jesus lives forever he has a permanent priesthood it's permanent therefore he is able someone say able to save completely those who have come to god through him, because he always lives to intercede for them. The Friday night before last night of the conference, I had a dream. Oh, God, I love the dreams. I had a dream. And I had a dream that I was speaking in this church, just like I am right now. And in the dream, I was communicating something very specific to this congregation. Guess what it was? I was saying, you guys don't realize but you are a kingdom of priests. And I literally dreamed this the, before the last night of the conference. And I, right now, we're stepping into fulfillment of prophecy. You're being invited into a divine moment right now. Because that dream is being fulfilled in this very moment. You are a kingdom of priests. Listen to what Peter said. You're a king, we're a holy nation. A kingdom of priests. We're not a kingdom of prophets. We're not a kingdom of apostles. We're not a kingdom of pastors or teachers or evangelists, intercessors, though all those are needed and all those have a place. You are a kingdom of priests. We are marked as priests unto the Lord. That's one of the reasons why Christ gave his life. So what is one of the major things that marks a priest? It's intercession. Intercession. And I think we have to have this grid in our mind blown away of what intercession looks like. 
It's not just limited to a prayer room one or two hours a day. Yes, that's part of it, but that is not the intercession that I'm talking about. It's not the intercession that Jesus is declaring. I pondered this dream, and I felt like the Lord said, Michael, I want to speak to you about intercession. I said, yes, Lord. And he gave me this picture of him in heaven, like standing in this place. It says, Jesus lives to intercede. He said, notice, I live to intercede. He said, but you are the intercession. That's only the position that you can occupy. I can't occupy that. I made a way so that you can step into that occupation. Come on. So he said, I'm holding it open right now. I am holding the gates of intercession open, but it's going to take you to partner with me and to step into God. He said, look, step in your authority. He said, and that would release the kingdom of God. He said, look, that's how this thing works, I believe. Jesus becomes the connector. And when we step into intercession, then what happens is Jesus connects us to the prayers of the past and the prophecies of the past. And now we begin to see fulfillment in our day. And we collect the synergy, my God, of the intercession and the fasting and the prayers of saints long before us. There is a cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on but we can tap into the faith and the anointing that they carried if we understand this concept that Jesus lives to intercede and invites us to intercession now I want to demyth it because like I said it can be we can get in this mode where it's just a prayer meeting on an hour no no what I mean what this looks like is God may tell you and lead you to go to the Cape Fear River tomorrow morning at 5 o'clock to blow your shofar and pray for three days a week or three times a day. He may lead you to go to Walmart and do this extravagant, extravagant act. He may cause you to sow a seed of a financial gift into somebody's life. That is intercession. That's what intercession can look like. It's the action part of being obedient to what he says. Do you see what I'm saying? It's the action part. And so a lot of people, they just hold up because God, he puts something on them. It's hard. you got to follow through. But if you walk it out, my God, then you step into that seat of authority of intercession. I've seen this happen. That's what happened, I believe, with me and my great-grandma. I agreed with my great-grandmother's prayer because I heard the Lord say, go to this college. And I didn't choose the college I wanted to go to. But I chose the one he wanted me to go to. So then that was an active participation of me interceding for God's storyline over my life. And there he hooked in the intercession of my great-grandma who made the buttermilk biscuits. My goodness, the blessing of the Lord. So I, I get so stirred when I see that. That's how we occupy our seat in heaven, right? The scripture says in Ephesians, we sit with Christ in heavenly places. How does that work? I believe we step into the intercession that's marked out for our life, and there's a seat of authority right there. And then God begins, we begin to rule and reign with the Father in our life from that place. Kingdom of priests, that, that's a kingdom of lay down lovers. Remember Matt Lockett, again, shared that word. He said the truth, remember what he said? I love this. He goes, we walk into town, and somebody will announce, I'm the gatekeeper. We're, I, like, I'm the prophet in charge here, just letting you know. And it's funny because we've countered that many times. And it's just like, okay, maybe that's true, not judging. But he said the tr test, 
Jeremiah 27, is that true prophets are men and women who intercede first who are faithful to the wall, who are faithful to the prayer room and interceding to what God wants them to do. That's what makes a true prophet of the Lord. Excited about that. Synergy of the ages. I, I want to encourage you guys, you can tap into that. Think about what prayers have been prayed over your life. Think, just think of who and what has marked you in your life. And a question I want to leave you here with that is, uh, are you ready to stand in places that could even be controversial or sensitive? To fulfill what God has for you in this season and the future ahead. Amen? Last point I'm going to share. Fourth one that I thought, whoa, there it is, is uh, finishing well. Finishing well. What a theme, right? Finishing well. Uh, this, is, this one's really close to my heart, too. Hearing Will and Matt's story, it was like, okay. Their ancestors, all of that, that story, they had a charge, but the specific of it that really struck me was the whole Martin Luther King tie-in. Martin Luther King, I mean, did you catch that? Will Ford has a dream, leads him to a prayer meeting at the Lincoln Memorial on MLK on the Martin Luther King anniversary day. Matt Lockett, who doesn't know him, has a dream that leads him to the same prayer meeting the same day. And then they end up having that great connection and it's all tied into Martin Luther King's speech, I have a dream. So here's one guy led by a dream and the other guy led by a dream at the place where Martin Luther King said, I have a dream 41 years ago. And then, I don't know if you guys caught this as well, but Will shared something very interesting about that speech. He said, you know, that was a prophecy from a, a woman at a prayer meeting. That wasn't his words. As a matter of fact, some of his advisors says, don't say that part of the speech. But he said there was a woman standing next to Martin at the podium that day and said, tell him about the dream, Martin. Tell him about the dream. And that's important to know because he was prophesying. That, that speech is prophecy. It is prophecy. And they were fulfilling that right then and there. So do you hear what they're saying? They're saying, Martin Luther, God used him in a moment, but we're here to take up the mantle and to finish what was prophesied in the civil rights movement. I believe part of the last day move of God as well, this whole unity charge, is going to look like us finishing what our ancestors started but could never finish. We're going to finish what they could not start. Here's another little insight. I don't know if you guys know this. Maybe some of you know. I love Martin Luther King. I didn't know this, but I, I learned this from a professor at Regent. But did you know that Martin Luther King's real name was not Martin Luther? He was born Michael King. His real name is Michael King. His dad was Michael King Sr. But his famous dad, Martin Luther King Jr.'s dad, was a Baptist preacher who, guess who his famous church historian was? Martin Luther. So he took the family, when Martin Luther King was a boy, to Germany to the site of the Reformation that Martin Luther did in the 1500s. And it moved Martin Luther King so much that when he got back to the States, he legally changed his name to Martin Luther. I believe he picked up a mantle of Reformation because then he steps into the civil rights movement and he finishes something that was intended never, oh my, do you hear what I'm saying? And I believe that God is really on the move right now to finish things in this nation, to finish things in our own personal lives. 
You know, what's, I feel, you call it revival, awakening. I mean, there's so many words. I don't know what to call it. I do have this rumbling in my spirit in a sense that something is coming. But maybe it is a reformation. And why use that word? Because the word reformation, by definition, literally means to right the wrong of the past. That's what it means in the definition, to right the wrongs of the past. So in the history days, Martin Luther's Reformation in the 1500s, what was the hallmark move of God? The church at that time had become so dependent on the pastor and so dependent on the clergy of the Catholic church and the priesthood that the people themselves were not allowed to read the Bible, that no one had access to the word of God for themselves. And so Martin Luther had this revelation that we are justified by faith, that all men have an ability to read the word of God. And so that was the spark. He literally made a way and broke down that barrier and, 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 and allowed the people of God to have access to the word of God. This wasn't a new ideal. This is what Jesus talked about in the Bible. But what was he doing? He was righting a wrong. And so I feel like this, this thing right here, God is raising up men and women right now that are going to move in this arena where they will right the wrongs of the past. Not by your own, like, I'm going to do this out of a justice thing, but through yielding and submitting to the Father, letting his plan come over your life, he will put you in the places and situations where you will literally make the right wrong, or make the wrong right. Does that make sense? Finishing well. Think about this last part. Jesus on the cross, right? What's the last thing he says? It's finished. It's finished. It's finished. Jesus didn't come to start something. He came to finish it. He finished it. You catch that. He finished it. All the woundedness and the pain and the hurt, he finished it. And he finished it well. Here's the word of the Lord. Do you feel this? We're really getting ready to shift into a new season. I think many people personally are shifting in a new season, but I think the church, the city, re as, I mean, we're really making a major shift right now into a new season. And the word of the Lord for us is he wants us to finish the old season well. Because if we don't finish the old season well, then we will never be able to develop into the new season with everything he has for us. What you do here and how you close it out is going to determine how you go. That's why so many people, when they get wounded and they get hurt in the church, in their families, in their jobs, they leave to go do something else, but they carry that with them. And because there was no proper of closing that season down in the right way, it follows you into the new season, and it hinders you. It limits you. You'll be blessed. God will be with you, but you'll stop. You'll get stuck, and you will never grasp the fullness. Jesus had to carry all of that hurt and wound and pain to the cross. He had to carry your and I's sins, our failure, everything to the cross. But what he was doing was making a statement. He was saying, I am closing out this season of my life. I am closing out this assignment of my life, and I am doing it well, and it is finished. Jealousy is finished. Anger is finished. Adultery is finished. Cancer is finished. Pain is finished. Accusing is finished. Wounding is finished. It's all finished. 
It will have no authority or dominion in my life anymore because I took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Whoo! Shoo! Shoo! There's a finishing anointing that God is dropping in the church. And I just want to encourage us, tap into that. Ask God. Ask God when you get time alone. What assignments have I not finished yet? Who do I need to talk to to make it right? What do I need to do? You may not have to do I don't know what it is. He's going to instruct you. What do I need to do? What do I need? How do I close this thing out well? How do I prepare well, you close the future for my family and my children to walk in covenantal blessing? All of that hinges on how well you close the door. Come on. Do you hear what I'm saying? Finish well. I just heard the Lord say, finish well. Look what Paul said. I have finished the race. Marked out for me. And I believe if we catch that revelation, we become a church that understands how to finish well. There is a, I don't know how to, there's an apostolic thing. There's like a governmental thing of the heaven that rests on a people that walks in that type of revelation. So I want to encourage you, you finish well. It's very important to the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I want to begin a transition. We had a, um, we had a uh, word come to us in the prayer meeting Wednesday that was just powerful, powerful word. And it's from Dutch Sheets. And Dutch Sheets actually reads this word from this lady um, uh, from Australia. God. And it was just a very encouraging word about how the Lion of Judah is literally positioning himself over America. And there is a roar of the Lord. And I feel like some of these things we talk about, this is like a, this message is not like, you know, for more practical to day by day. This is more of a national message and a word of the Lord that he's doing in the nation right now. But we're all engrafted into it. One last thing. I'm going to share this. That's important to our church's history. I will share at one point our church's history. Why is that important? Because our, the, the history of this church from Global River to Myrtle Grove to First Presbyterian downtown, there is a common denominator. And you know what that is? This church was always hooked into the cutting-edge national move of God. Whatever God was doing in the nation at that time, this church has always had a hand in it. And so I just I feel like releasing this prophecy is very important and powerful for us right now. Last part, of, really last part. Whew. So this came out Wednesday. Friday night, I have this dream about Dutch Sheets. And he's giving this word. And in the dream, I look at him in this prayer meeting, and he goes, I asked him, I was like, what? you got to share that revelation. And you know what he says to me? He goes, I got this revelation at Azusa now when we planted the tree. And for those of you who don't know, when we were over in Azusa now in real life, we had a tent set up, and we had a tree planting ceremony the day after the stadium gathering. And he said, there's something here about covenantal blessing and about the Lion of Judah roaring over America to release a new sound and a new wave. Amen? Can we play that word? Play that word. I have more to say throughout the weekend, but I'm going to finish by reading, doing something I don't typically do. I'm going to read a lengthy prophecy. I think it just so summarizes where we are. Some of you may have seen this on the Elijah list. It doesn't matter to me if you did or not. You'll like it again. <laughs> this will take me 10 minutes or so to get through this. I'll probably stop and comment, but 
This is the word of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Over the past few years, I've been feeling a sense of urgency over the United States. This is a lady from Australia, by the way. A prophet in Australia. Lana Valzer, I think is her name somewhere. Over the past few days, I've been feeling a sense of urgency over the United States. This was just released about, I don't know, two, three, four weeks ago, something like that, recently. So it's an hour. And an excitement in my spirit that the King of Glory is stepping in. As I have leaned into the Lord to seek his heart concerning this, I had an encounter with the Lord where I saw the Lion of Judah. The prayer and the oil. The Lion of Judah, positioned over the United States. He was huge, she says. All caps, huge. With each one of his paws placed on the four corners of the United States. He was covering the entire nation. As he was positioned over the nation, he opened his mouth and out came a loud roar. It was a roar of Joel 3.16. The Lord will roar from Zion and thunder from Jerusalem. The earth and the heavens will tremble, but the Lord will be a refuge for his people, a stronghold for the people of Israel. It was the roar of God releasing the fear of God across the nation. And I'm telling you right now, that fear is being seen in different ways. Some of it's a reverential fear, but some of the violence and nonsense you're seeing right now is born of fear, and it's the fear that the Caleb's are coming, and they're about to lose. The enemy sees what God is doing and hears what God is saying, and he is terrified. It was the roar of God releasing the fear of God across the nation. It was the roar of his authority that decreed Nothing can stand against my power and who I am. As this roar of the Lion of Judah was released, I saw John 3.16 exploding. All around, everywhere the roar went, John 3.16 exploded up out of the ground. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. His roar was being released, demonstrating his power and his authority, but the roar of his heart was releasing the sound of the gospel louder than ever before. This was happening so that the world would know his great love and his power and a greater unlocking to prepare the nation for a mighty harvest of souls. We're going to see more just harvest ever, by the way. We're going to see more people saved in the next 20 years than we've seen the last 2,000. Billion, at least a billion, maybe two. Middle East is going to be rocked. Asia is going to be rocked. America is going to be rocked. As I heard the Lord roar loudly, I could also hear the laugh of God. It was so loud, it shook everything. Nothing could stand against the roar and laugh of God. Instantly, I heard the verse declared in the Spirit from Psalm 2-4, He who sits in the heavens laughs. As soon as I heard this scripture, the Lord spoke to me. Psalm 2-4, listen to me, intercessors. 
Psalm 2-4 and Psalm 24-7-9 are keys right now for the United States. Nothing will stand against my plans and what I am decreeing and establishing within the United States. I am releasing my laugh of victory over the nation. I am stepping in. I am stepping in. Decree it with me. The word says the king of glory is stepping in. Y'all just do that right now. Y'all just decree the king of glory is stepping in. Y'all just do it several times. The king of glory is stepping in. I am releasing my laugh of victory over the nation. I am stepping in. I am stepping in. Decree with me the King of glory is stepping in. I am the one who will have the last laugh. For nothing stands against my plans and purposes. I am Yahweh. I then heard the Lord roar loudly again. And this time as he roared, I heard the declaration being made in the Spirit. Quote, all delays broken, all delays broken. Now I decree. And the last thing he said, let me read it to you again so I can get it all in one sentence. All delays broken, all delays broken, delays broken. Now I decree, accelerate. All in caps, he says, accelerate. As the Lord roared over the nation, I watched as his power and justice flowed from his mouth. All delays that were attempting to hinder the mighty extension of his kingdom and plans were suddenly failing, falling. They were suddenly crumbling. They were suddenly coming to nothing. He spoke again. Where there has been a battle of delay, in some ways, I now declare, United States, accelerate further into your new day. United States, accelerate further into your new day. Twice he said it. I could feel it in the atmosphere. The joyful expectation of the power of God being demonstrated in such significant ways across the nation. Breaking delay. Jeremy, come up here and get ready because we're going to just end this in just a minute. Maybe five. Six, seven. As the Lord was roaring over the nation. I could hear the loud sound of intercession from the saints flowing with his roar. And I heard him say, many have heard my roar. Many have heard the rhythm of my roar and are interceding what my heart is decreeing. It is changing a nation from the inside out. Our prayers are making an impact. Our prayers are accomplishing things. It is changing a nation from the inside out. I watched as hard ground was suddenly being broken open by his roar. In the breaking open, quotes, hidden things were being exposed in greater ways and the victory and justice of the Lord was being released. There was a mighty move of the Spirit of God breaking chains of the hidden things, quotes, hidden things that have been rooted for so long. These chains, chains in the hidden things had attempted to cause delay in the United States, but were now suddenly breaking, and I watched as wells were opening up. These wells were breaking open, but the thing that struck me was this, out of the wells exploded fire and water. 
The Lord spoke again. It's time for fire and water. It's time for the fire of my presence, my love, my purification, my revival and the waters of my spirit to cleanse and flood the nation. It's time for the fire and the water. The time has arrived. The United States will be marked by fire and water. There's a new day of divine marking and commissioning upon the United States. Don't miss that phrase. Let me slow down. There's a day of divine marking and commissioning upon the United States because we're going to pioneer Hebron in this nation again. And we're going to be recommissioned into our destiny. It's not finished. The Lord showed me that there's a new day of commissioning upon the United States. And I feel that. There's another threshold that is about to be crossed over. That is why the Lord is brooding heavily upon his people right now to intercede and partner with him to see the birthing of that which he has decreed. The new, this new day of commissioning upon the United States is about to burst forth. And in this new commissioning, I saw a mighty decree being stamped upon the nation. And the decree that was stamped on the nation said, United States of America, the nation that carries the justice of the Lord. The Lord then spoke to me again. There shall be mighty demonstrations of my divine justice upon the nation like never before. The roar of my justice that is being released over the nation is not only breaking delay, but it is releasing divine impartations of my justice into the land by my spoken word. It is going to be carried in the nation and released into other nations by the decree of my people. Many words have been spoken in and over the nation that have decreed injustice. Where words have been used to release injustice, I am now decreeing that the United States of America shall be known as a nation of my justice as my people continue to rise up, grab hold of what I'm saying, and decree it. There is a mighty birthing of my justice taking place, and it will not be stopped. It will not be hindered. The roar of my justice is being released, and the world will hear it. The sound of my justice being released will resound. As my people seek my heart, hear my voice, and align with my roar of justice, it is going to be mightily demonstrated. Then there shall be a tidal wave of my justice that will flow into and from this nation. Almost finished. As I continue to watch the Lord roaring over the nation, I heard him say, there shall be no more delay in greater breakthroughs of restoration. As my roar of justice is released, there will be a greater acceleration of restoration. I am drawing lines in the sand over the United States. And I am decreeing, this is the Lord speaking, no more. I am breathing acceleration and the restoration that I have decreed over the United States of America. I am breathing acceleration into the restoration that I have decreed over the United States of America.
As the Lord decreed this, I heard the Chris Tomlin song in my spirit, she says, Our God, being sung all across the nation by the people of God. It was being sung almost as a song of the season over the USA, a loud victory cry. The time for a greater demonstration of the triumph of God has arrived and greater demonstrations of his power and outstretched arm. There shall be a mighty turnaround. And that song is, you know, water you turn into wine, open the eyes of the blind, no one like you. Our God is greater, our God is stronger, and so on. I love to receive confirmations like this because that's exactly what I've been hearing in my spirit. We are moving into the season we've been asking for for 25 years. And of course, there will be war. Since when has the enemy ever rolled over and said, okay, take it? He's going to fight. But if we persevere and enforce through the victorious name of Jesus, he can't win. So victory is sure. And the Lord says, no more delay. I've been saying for quite some time, the bowls of intercession are filled. He's starting to tip them now. We've been praying for 30 years for what just happened last week. We've been trying to tip the balance of that court that has allowed more evil into this nation in our history than any other group of people ever. 60 million babies. God legislated out of our government, our public schools, the public square, redefining the most sacred institution in the world to God, marriage. This group of people only needed five votes to do it. Five people could rise up and bring that level of a devastation into a nation. Five out of nine. Though we've tried and tried and tried and tried, couldn't get that final majority vote been crying out for for 30 years. But 5-4 is not enough. We're going to get 6-3. And we might even get 7-2 before this is over. And they're going to fight just as hard over the next one. They're going to fight harder over the next one. They're going to fight President Trump. Bless his heart, I don't care about some of his flaws. He just keeps appointing the right judges. He's going to undo 60 years of curses in this nation. You don't have to like him. Just keep praying that God helps him make the right choices. Enjoy the economy. Yeah, I just care everybody saying. I just felt that the worship team, can you get a worship team out? I just want to stay in that mode of prayer. I just felt that we need to respond to that in prayer right now. Just begin to pray right now. Just begin to lock in. It's okay. Just, let's just begin to lift our voices, Jesus God, right now. Let's just war a little bit in the spirit about intercession, about tipping the bowls of prayer for the nation. 
for our city, our region. It's okay. Just begin to lift your voice. Jesus, right now, I'm just going to lead us in praying for a little while. This is going to be like a prayer meeting. God, we just thank you right now. God, that you are tipping the bowls of intercession. Lord, that the prayers of the saints long before that we have gone are beginning to now tip over into the reality of what we're living in. God, we thank you, Lord, that intercession is culminating into the fulfillment of prayers, that the justice of who you are is being released all over the nation. God, we thank you that Isaiah 35 prophesied that there's coming a day when the land will be healed and the blind will see and the deaf will hear, that God would bring divine retribution in his own way into that generation. God, we declare that we are living in a moment of Isaiah 35, that we are going to see our land healed. And we are going to see our sons and daughters return. We are going to see the children and the blind eyes open. The deaf ears open. God, we thank you that you're moving in this nation again. Lord, begin to release your fire. Just begin to release your fire. I just feel like there's fire in the ground. God is raising up prophets of fire in this hour. He's raising up messengers who are going to carry the fire in this hour. God, right now, come on, y'all. Don't lose that. Just pray with me. Intercede. Open your mouth. Lift your voice. Begin to break something open with me. God, raise up. Prophets and messengers, raise up young men and women all over Wilmington, all over this nation that will carry the fire of God. Raise them up right now. Raise them up in the schools, God. Raise them up in middle school, in high school. Raise them up in elementary school. Raise up the Elijahs, God. Raise up the sons and daughters to prophesy truth and victory into the nation, God. Break open the wells of America. Break open the hidden wells, God. Break open the hidden wells of revival. Break open the hidden wells of our ancestors, God. How long, O Lord? Declare in Jesus' name. We declare that this nation will serve you. We're coming on the 400th anniversary of slavery being brought into the nation. Next year, 2019, we declare that the curse of slavery will be no more. Your divine justice. Lord, that you would break every orphan spirit, every orphan thought in the people of God. That you would erase the Mayberry Nixon line out of the heart of people. God, that you would bring this nation together. God, we ask that you would bring the church together, bring the denominations together, bring our government together, bring our economy together, bring our culture together, bring our people together. Come on. Raise up the level, oh God. Come on, keep praying right there. Keep Just press in. Your presence, God. Release the divine justice, oh God. Release divine justice, oh God. We thank you for what you're doing, God. Release that anointing, oh God. We need you to move in this hour, Lord. Release your fire and your Release oil. your presence. Release the fire the city, and the water open of your anointing in your presence, God. God. Open, God. Come Send with your glorious presence, God. Send the latter rain, God. Release Send the anointing the of your fire and the anointing the of your presence, God. May your divine justice rule this earth. Fire and water. Make this nation Fire as first steward of your God. presence, Release God. Release it all over this nation, God. Open up the gates Have of the heavens, O God, Spirit. and Move let the King the of Glory power. come in. Angels let the King place, of Glory God. come Dreams in, O God. Visions, God. Mark people Release here today. that King Mark presence, them, God. God. Set things in order, O God. Let the King of Glory come in, O God. Heal 
release them every racial divide, every racial Save the children, oh God. Break every wall. Save the schools, God. We thank you, Lord. Raise up your anointing, God. Let the King of Glory open up the gates. Open up the gates and let the King of Glory come in. Who is this King of Glory? The one who's mighty in battle. The one who is. God, we ask for divine justice, God. How long will the blood of the innocent cry out to you, oh God? Lord, we repent on behalf of a nation. Let your roar, put your footprint, let the claw marks of your presence come down on the nation. Let this city, I just heard this morning, front page, that this city has passed all past history of water levels of rain. That's the water level of the rain of the Spirit. Marked again, Wilmington is marked again. God, let the fire and the rain of your presence rule and reign. Let divine justice come. Shut down every ungodly brothel, every ungodly presence, all sex trafficking, every immoral institution. Let it be poured down, torn down in the name of Jesus. God, we ask for divine justice. Lord, raise up leaders that are going to stand in this nation, God. God, we're crying out. The innocent blood is crying out. The Native American that has been put down, God, that blood cries out. The slaves crying out, oh God. The children that have been murdered crying out, oh God. The sex trafficked ones crying out, oh God. How long, oh God? How long, oh God? How long, oh God? We now cry out, let divine justice rule and reign. Pull down every location that honors evil and destruction, God. Pull it down now. Let your presence come, Lord. God, we declare revival in the land. We declare reformation in the land, God. That you would mark this place with reformation. That you would raise up people who would turn the wrong into the right way. That you would give a release of the reformation. Let your glory Let it come, Lord. Release your presence. Open up, O gates. Open up, O gates. Open up, O gates, and let the King of Glory come in. Can we uh, can we lock arms across the front? We, if you're in agreement with the word that was just spoken over a nation, come and lock arms with us up front. Let's come into a powerful agreement that divine justice, divine justice will rule and reign. Divine justice will rule and reign. Let the lion of the tribe have his nation. Have the nation, God.
that you step into. During the conference, when we were doing a foot washing, I asked the Lord who I was supposed to wash. And I had a picture of a cornerstone. Cornerstone from Global River. A wise, wise, wise cornerstone with deep, deep roots that was going to be seeping oil because she was going to get so filled up from this conference. And I realized that it wasn't just from that one person, but it was for all of our cornerstones. All of our strong brothers and sisters, all of our wise brothers and sisters were going to be filled up seeping oil. And so I just pray that all of you get filled up today to where your oil seeps out and leaves a trail behind you. It leaves a trail of oil into every store, every car, every home, every job, and that it changes the atmosphere and the love of Jesus radiates out of you, that it changes the hearts and the minds of the individuals that you come across. So Lord, I just ask that you fill us up, fill us up to where we're overflowing with you, overflowing with your oil. Would you pray for the person to your left and to your right that the Lord's fire and his presence would just touch them, that 2019 would be a year of great unity and power and purpose, that our house, this house, would be an exceptional place for his presence. Just pray for that person left or right. Pray like you would like them to pray for you, that the fire of his presence would come, his love would anoint them. Lord, I ask you to seal. Seal them, Lord. Seal them, Lord. I just pray, Father. Seal them, Lord. Thank you. 
Thank you, Lord. It's very significant. should be up here starting a new season as we just finished living together and we wanted to finish well so as Mike's message was talking about a marriage when you live with someone it's like a marriage and you get to see all the ugliness and we not anything specifically but we live and we dwell together despite our differences (laughs) in harmony and we choose to keep our love on. So I just I just want that to flow over to you all because it's yes. not easy. It's not. It's not. I, but it's beautiful when you sit here and you think, Lord, only you, you provide the grace for us to be able to do that. So I just I just love these these two up here as we journey on our new season. And we just thank you, God for those in this house right now and those in our community because we just ask for the love of God to overflow because as Mike said we go further we get to we get to go further in his kingdom when we choose to keep our love on and just love each other through whatever (laughs) to love just would you just with me stretch out your hands God I'm asking you that you would fill the hands of your people both with provision with revelation and wisdom God that this would be a year the remaining two weeks God I'm asking you to release revelation dreams visions journals words that pull off the pages things that might come through a movie but there'll be a revelation It'll be a turning, it's a new season, a new place where God is going to release that revelation into your hands. Now, would you mind touching your head? Lord, I'm asking you to to change the way we think. God, our minds would be renewed, restored. In Romans, he said, letting God change the way we think. Not conforming to the world, but transforming by the renewing of our minds. Now, would you touch your heart? God, I pray every scar tissue, every place where the enemy has brought brokenheartedness, God, that you'd renew. It says he'll take the stony heart and he'll renew it with a heart of flesh. And then he said he would write upon it. God, I ask that you'd write the vision, the dreams on the hearts of your people. That we sit on an eve, two weeks left, we sit on an eve of a new year beginning. God, there would be these resolutions of all these things, lose weight. No, no, no. Lord, I'm asking you to bring divine revelation. 
that will really transform your people. If we're still here a year from now when we tarry, they'll look back and say, 2019 was a year of revelation and transformation. Revelation and transformation. Not only do I think differently, my heart feels differently, my hands work differently. God, I pray right now, as a revelation of this body of Christ, it would be a supernatural year. We would see divine justice, but we would be part of the solution. Now let me, we started this service this morning. God, we will not abandon, though none go with you, we will follow you. Jude said this, Jesus' half-brother, he concluded in his book, Now unto him who's able to keep you from falling and present you faultless whoa, before the presence of his glory and his exceeding joy, to the only wise God our Savior, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forevermore. Amen. God, I ask you to seal what you've done today in Jesus' name. Turn to your neighbor, give him a big hug.